Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I am completely blessed and honored to be here. Since a few weeks ago when we started kind of planning, putting everything together to come and be a part of the school systems, uh, I heard the, the name of the church, Harvest Time. And I'm like, man, I love that. Because how many of you know that Harvest Time is here? And I believe with all of my heart that God's called each and every one of us, not just Pastor and his incredible team, to reach the harvest. There's people that you can touch and that you can reach that is in your sphere of influence that Pastor can't reach. Amen? So it truly, truly, truly is an honor, and it's an incredible privilege to be here. I never take it lightly when a pastor turns over his pulpit to me and our team. And I just want to say, Pastor, thank you so much. And I love the heart, the spirit of excellence that is operating in this church. I can always tell, I spoke at a lot of churches over my, my life. And I can always tell when a spirit of excellence is in the house. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is second to none. The excellence that your pastoral team, pastor and his team puts together, from the worship to the time I rolled up on the property and was greeted, I, yeah, it was, it just, it's just incredible. And uh, your facilities, this church, your best days, friend, are not behind you. It's in front of you. You're getting ready to put a mark on this community like you never even dreamed possible. I'm telling you right now, the hand of God is resting. And I don't just say this everywhere I go, and our team can testify to that. The hand of God is resting on this church, and there's getting ready to be an explosion like you never dreamed possible. I believe that we're going to see prodigals come into this house like you never dreamed possible. You've prayed it, but some of you have prayed it in such a way that and prayed it for so long, you begin to wonder, is God really going to do this? Yes, he's really going to do this. Yes, he's going to bring that son home. Yes, he's going to bring that daughter home. Yes, he's going to reunite families. Yes, he's going to turn this whole facility here, this campus, into an emergency room where the spiritually sick can walk into this place and leave totally changed and transformed, not by the power of a man or the power of a pastor, but by the power of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't know about you, but I believe that for this facility, for this group of people. I want you to put your hands together and let's give the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords one more shout of victory in the house. I feel a shifting in my heart. I feel a shifting. I feel a stirring in my spirit. God's getting ready to do something great. That he's going to do what another seminar can't do. He's going to do what another message can't do. He's going to do the impossible, friend. I believe that. I say, Pastor, you're getting too excited this morning. I am sorry, but I'm passionate about people, churches, and the harvest. Man, we had a powerful time coming, going into your schools. I believe that the Lord called me back into this type of ministry for such a time as this. 
and to raise up warriors. Stand up, guys. To raise up warriors that are willing and understand that when they say yes to the call of God on their life, that God's going to stir them and do something powerful with them. They could be anywhere in the world right now, but they're here with us, pouring into this church and into these schools. All the ones that has helped out with hospitality and food and, and uh, Trina and Stephen and, and, and all the different ones and prepared a lovely meal. I had to fly back. I had to fly to Phoenix for a couple of days, so I missed out on that. I'm a little... I'm a little envious of that I heard about Peach Cobbler, Pastor was bragging about. And I'm like, Lord, help me. I need some of that cobbler. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for everything that everyone's done to, to help make this happen. Will you just stretch your hands to heaven for just a moment and just begin to welcome him into your heart and your life? Man, I don't know what you come in here with, but God knows and I want you to know that the healer is in the house. I want you to know that he loves you more than anything in this world. And today, this morning, he set you up. You're not here by accident. You're not here just because someone maybe invited you in. You're here under divine purpose. Not because I'm here or anyone else, but because he's here. And Lord, right now, God, I take my hands off of this service where you can place your hands on this service. And I ask for nothing short of your mighty, mighty will and the presence, the weight of your presence to fill this room in Jesus' powerful, majestic name that I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Hallelujah. And let there be light. <laughs> this is our 14th within the one week pastor since last Sunday the 14th service that we've been able and privileged to be a part of and and so man it's awesome awesome to be here I want to uh I got a gift that I want to present before we get started but while we're getting that ready you might ask who in the world is all these people here the black shirts on and this uh, big guy on the platform and uh, we're a part of a team, a group called Rock Masters Commission, and it's out of Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, we are a school of ministry. It's a school of ministry. It's a school of leadership where we don't just take the students and, and sit in a classroom and learn about it all day long. We have that. That's very important. But we take them out into the field. We take them, I teach, we teach them how to do school assemblies. We teach them how to go into the communities because that's what it's going to take. If we're going to reach the harvest, we got to be willing to get outside the four walls of the church. So we target, we target going outside of the four walls, reaching out, compelling them to come in. Amen? We're getting ready to, and be in prayer with us about this. We're getting ready to go on a Mexican tour uh, within the next couple months. We're actually from Monterrey, Mexico, all the way uh, to the mountains of Mexico. A lot of people don't realize this, but in that mountain, situ in that mountain range, there's over 2,000 uh, villages that are unreached for the gospel of Christ. And we're going to go into those areas. But I want to present a gift. Your pastor has been on the wall of this community for three and a half years. And he fights spiritually, battles, 
that you have no idea. And I want you to know that the prayers, when you submit yourself up under the authority of the pastor, there's prayers that he prays over you and your family that only heaven, only eternity will tell the full outcome of that. I have stories I could share about that, but I don't have time this morning. But I just wanted to honor him and bless him with a, with a weapon. And I was in his office this morning, and I saw a shield, and I saw another sword, and I'm like, man, I got the right gift for this guy. And so, Pastor Noe, we love you and just wanted to honor you uh, with this uh, sword. Amen. I like to give cool gifts, you know what I mean? And uh, me, I have a bunch of swords, and uh, I love that type thing. So, Pastor, once again, we love you and your wonderful wife, your incredible team. Uh, but we want to get started. Let me just say this really quick, too. If you have young people that want to check MC out, Master Submission out, uh, in March, I don't have the exact dates on me. What is it? March, March 18th through the 20th. You're more than welcome to come if you're a junior, or actually sophomore, junior, or senior. If you're interested and want to just come and see what this is all about, hey, we'd love to have you uh, come down, and we'll have a great time. Uh, a lot of our students, we have alumni, I've been doing this for a long time, we have alumni that, that come in for a year, and they're with us, uh, just to get that strong foundation. How many of you know it's important to get that strong foundation in your faith before you even go into secular uh, education as well? especially when you go into secular education. So some of our students will come in. They'll be with us for a year, some two, some three. Then they'll go in. We have alumni that are attorneys today. We have alumni that are in the medical field. We have alumni that are pastors, uh, teachers, uh, I mean, you name it, uh, missionaries all over the planet. We have people that have come through this MC program, and they're movers and shakers, powerful businessmen and women, but you know what? They love God with all of their heart. And it's important to raise that up just as well as it is people that take this platform and take the podium. Amen? So uh, I'm excited to be a part of that. We want to speak to you for just a few moments. There will be others. We'll be doing a drama in just a little bit. I, wanted, I felt like the Lord spoke to me to come into this church this morning and speak about removing the quit option. Removing the quit option. How many of you know that the truth of God's word is important? That we live in a society today that people call what's right wrong and what's wrong right. Are you with me? Like I've never seen it before. I used to think it was that way 20 years ago, but it's for sure that way now. Amen? I mean, something that's just so blatant and so, I mean, just... But, but no, that's, that's wrong, and, and this over here is right. And, and how many of you know that there's so many people that are just confused, and I'm so thankful that we have an anchor called the Word of God that is truth, right? Come on, yeah, let's give him a praise for that. <laughs> truth is important. There was a young man by the name of Johnny, little Johnny. He was in like the fifth grade, and he had trouble with the truth. His teacher told him on Friday before she released the class that afternoon, she said, okay, class, I want you to go do something great this weekend and, and have fun, but Monday morning be prepared to present it to the class what you've done over the weekend. 
And man, little Johnny, he just couldn't wait. Monday morning rolled around, and the class brought the uh, students to attention. And she said, okay, uh, who would like to share first? Little Johnny, buddy, he was just squirming in his seat. And he shot up his hand, me, 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 teacher, I want to share. She said, okay, little Johnny, what in the world did you do over the weekend? She said, well, me and my dad, he said, well, me and my dad went fishing. We caught 75 catfish, and they all weighed 75 pounds apiece. And she said, ah, oh, Johnny, now you can't tell me that you caught 75 catfish, and they always said, yes, ma'am, my dad's a great fisherman, and I'm even better than he is. We caught 75 catfish, and they all caught, and they all weighed 75 pounds apiece. She said, little Johnny, what would I, what would you say, what would you think if I told you that on my way to school this morning, a great grizzly bear come out of the woods, and, and right before this big grizzly bear attacked me, a little dog about this tall come out and grabbed that grizzly bear, shook him to the right, shook him to the left, and killed that grizzly bear dead. Now, little Johnny, would you believe that? Yes, ma'am. Matter of fact, I would. Matter of fact, that's my dog. <laughs> so <clears throat> he's a little reckless with the truth. <laughs> that was from the late Zig Ziglar. I've had an opportunity to work with... Uh, I do business seminars as well. That's what I was doing in Phoenix the last couple of days. I've had an opportunity to work with some of the, uh, some of the greats, and uh, he was one of those. And every time I, I'll share that story from time to time, he's always opened up with that. I loved it. Uh, Les Brown and, and many, many others. And these guys, they would always, and I've seen them, motivate people to go after their dreams. I've seen them to motivate people and tell them what a champion they are on the inside. And I've literally seen him mesmerize tens of thousands of people. Oh, thank you, sir. I got a little thing from my water. That is awesome. Appreciate that. I've seen these guys motivate many, many, many people in auditoriums upwards of 20,000, 30,000 people. And people be leaning in on the edge of their seat as they talk about the greatness that was within them. All true stuff. But you know that I come to realize that just as sure as there's a champion in every person, just as sure as there's greatness, I believe, that God has put in every person, there's also a quit in every person. People that will reach through tragedy, through circumstances of this life, people that will reach a breaking point, there's something inside of them I've seen strong men and strong women quit. And I want you to know that this morning, before we leave here today, that we're going to remove the quit option. It's not going to be an option for us any longer. I got saved when I was 24 years old. I'm not going to go into all the things that he saved me from, but my cousin Tarina could tell you some stories. There's a lot. 24 years old on the outside, everything was great, but on the inside, I was dying. But I walked into a service in Pensacola, Florida, and heard a man by the name of Steve Hill minister the gospel. And I want you to know that something radically touched and changed me and my wife's life that night. And I decided that night that I don't have a plan B or a plan C option. I don't have a quit option. I'm going for all or broke. I'm going all the way with Jesus. Not that I'm a perfect man, but you know what? A righteous man, he'll fall a few times. A righteous woman, they'll stumble around a few times. Amen? But we get back up and we dust ourselves off. And we say, you know what? For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And we're not going to quit. 
because he's been too good to me. He's rescued me from so much, I can't quit on him. So, one thing that we have to realize and understand, it all starts the six inches of space between your two ears. We have to get it into our mind. If we're going to get it into our heart, we have to get it into our mind. We have to take every thought into captivity. If you're going to determine for you that you're not, you know, I'm not going to quit on my wife. I'm not going to quit on my sons. I'm not going to quit on my daughter. I'm not going to quit on my family. I'm not going to quit on prodigals. I'm not going to quit on the harvest. I'm not going to quit on my church. You have to get it in your mind that, you know what, that is not an option for me. What makes thoughts so difficult, right? What makes thoughts so difficult to, to harness, to control? I'm going to tell you, it's because it's the absence of restraint and secrecy. The absence of restraint and secrecy. But we're here to let you know tonight that if you can control that and change that, get it into your spirit, that when thoughts elude you, I told a high school the other day, I said people don't just wake up one day and fall into something. It's a long, methodical process of wrong thinking that gets into their spirit, that gets into their heart. But if we stop it here, it won't get to here. And if it doesn't get to here, it won't destroy your life or the people that are around you. And there's others in here that says, you know what, I'm already past that moment. Can I tell you the awesome thing about this gospel there's hope for everyone. And like Pastor said this morning, it doesn't matter what you've walked through, the things that went on in your life, that today is a brand new day for you. You can put all those past mistakes, all those past failures behind you. You can put them up under the blood of Jesus. And today you can walk out those doors with your head up, with your chest out, knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, a parent can control, we can control a child's actions sometime, <laughs> but we can't control a child's thoughts, right? We can control their actions. You know, hey, don't do that. That's hot. It'll burn you. They'll get the message, but we can't control what's going on in here. You see, God's very, he's very interested in that process. Why? Because thoughts, they'll lead to actions. Actions, they will produce a habit, and then habits, they will produce that lifestyle. But it starts. It starts right there. Proverbs, uh, Genesis 6, 5 says this. You had to, excuse me, I had to sip on water a pretty good bit. My voice and my throat is dry. Genesis 6, 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Proverbs 23 and 7, For as a man thinks, or a woman thinks, so is he. For as he thinks, or she thinks, so is he. And in Philippians 4 and 8, I love it because he gives us things that we have to replace the wrong thinking with. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Everybody say true. Whatsoever things are honest, everybody say honest. Whatsoever things are just, say just. Whatsoever things are pure, say pure. Whatsoever things are lovely, say lovely, everyone. Whatsoever things are good report, say good report. 
If there be any virtue in, in this and any praise, think on these things. So what's he telling us? What's the scriptures telling us here? It's to remove all the things that the news will try to get you to concentrate on. We concentrate on that a lot more sometimes than this book. Amen. I know who wins at the end, and his name is Jesus. He's not a Democrat or he's not a Republican. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And I can flip to the back of this book, and I'm going to tell you right now, I know where the victory lies. Amen. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, for the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and the absolute perfect gift from God. How many of you know that God has a perfect gift for you this morning? It's tailored just for you. Your gifts is not my gift. It's different. He's got something tailored just for you. He has a calling just for you. He has a blessing in the house tailored this morning just for you. I don't believe that God's people can come together under the banner of Jesus Christ and open up our hearts in a real way and leave the same way we come. I believe it's impossible. I really do. I believe that when the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented, if anything stops it, we stop it. But can I challenge you this morning to fling open the gates of your heart and say, God, do what only you can do in my heart and my life. Don't try to overthink it. Make room. Let the Holy Spirit have some room to operate. Amen? Because we have a crisis in our country and globally. Did you know that over 2 million quit the church every single year? 2 million people every single year. Did you know that 1,500 pastors every single month quit the ministry? 1,500 pastors. Anytime you get an opportunity to encourage your leadership, encourage your youth pastors, your lead pastors, your worship pastors, do that. Because we're running a deficit. I want to just be real with you this morning. We don't have time to wait. We don't have time to play any more church games. We've got to get real about God's business or what he wants to do in a community. He plants a church in a community for a divine purpose, and it's not just for a little bit of social club and entertainment. He wants to reach the lost because there's a lost that is dying, and they're going to a sinner's hell. And if you and I will not stand in the chasm, will not stand in the gap but for them, they're going to, they're going to die without him. Is there a greater tragedy than that? I believe that a church in a community needs to make it hard for someone to die and go to hell in that community. That if they're going to die and go to hell, they're going to have to walk all over the, this church's face to be able to do that. So can that happen? Absolutely. And it's going to. Millions of fathers every year quit on their families. You realize that? Millions of dads. Out of my group here, if you grew up without a powerful influence of a godly father in your life, stand up. Jack, come here. 
done this the other day, but there's a lot more people here. Five years ago, Jack was in an orphanage in China, thrown away. The first time he heard the name of God mentioned because it was against the law. Man, we get uncomfortable with church, it goes a little bit late, huh? But it's against the law where he was from. A young, a young boy come up to him and said, I, I believe in God. I believe in God. First time he heard, heard about that. But you know what? He's not a or, in an orphanage in China anymore. He's not or, <laughs> he was a He was adopted by a powerful family, an awesome family in Illinois, which through a series of events led him to this platform here in Texas today. Come on, give Jack a big round of applause. Thank you. And Jack knows that he's loved, and he knows that he's accepted, and he will be a father one day that he never had. Man, I love, I'm not, a, I'm not a, their physical dad, but I, I, I'm a spiritual dad. And man, I fight in the spiritual realm for them, more than what they even know. Someone like DJ, stand up DJ, finds out who he is in Christ. And God fills him with a powerful voice that's going to change and touch the nations. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I could go down the list. Over 40, 40, over 44,000 people every year commit suicide. They quit on life. They quit on life. Done a school assembly a few years ago, and I got an email back from a 13, 14-year-old little girl. That very day, I touched on that for whatever reason. I, I kind of I change up every time I speak in one of these schools. I try to tailor it for that school in my mind. But in my heart, I want to go to wherever the Lord leads me in that moment. And can I tell you that I have felt more of the anointing speaking in a public school setting without using the name of Jesus than I have in a lot of pulpits? You think Jesus stops at the door of the public school? Absolutely not. And a uh, young lady wrote a letter that day she committed, that day she had planned to commit suicide. And I'm like, what in the world could go so wrong in a 13-year-old's life that her only option out is to take her own life, to quit on life? But she said, because of what your teen said, the stories that I heard, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. And that's just one person. I have several emails. Come on, give the Lord a round of applause for that. That was just one little 13-year-old girl. But, Tarina, can I tell you, if it had been just for her, it would have been worth every bit of it. 
It would have been worth all of the work, all the labor, all of the finances that goes into something like that. If it would have been just for her, it would have been worth it. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let us not get tired of doing what is good. Man, isn't that a trick of the enemy? Ah, I can't teach that class. Man, you have to teach that class. Because <laughs> if you don't, who will? I mean, people get tired of, you know, doing well, and it's just a, that's a trick of the enemy. You know, I looked at my schedule this week, honest truth, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, you know, I'm doing all of these different events, and, and then I have to step off this platform Thursday night and get in my truck and drive like a good guy would drive <laughs> and go all the way to Houston and uh, get on a plane to fly to Phoenix to get there in the middle of the night only to sleep for about three hours and get back up and do an event there where thousands of people were there. And uh, I, I'm looking at my schedule with my wife, and I'm like, man. And I told her team, I said, man, Lord, has to renew my strength and uh because it was it was a little scary and i heard a message not too long ago a reminder of the persecuted church and what they have to go through and i'm like i told my wife i said you know what if the persecuted church and these little pastors and around the world are doing what they're doing under the persecution the threat of death i can do this schedule so let's not get tired of doing what is good man let it energize us amen that's my version at just the right time we will reap a harvest a blessing if we don't give up everybody say don't give up, don't give up. turn around and tell the person next to you say don't give up they need to hear it I love this quote the moment you're ready to quit usually is the moment right before a miracle happens. Don't give up. Usually before when people get ready to throw in that towel and throw up their hands and give up, that's usually the moment right before a miracle takes place. Can I tell you that, friend, there's a miracle right around the corner from you? There's a miracle. That My cousins, Ray. Man, bless you, bro. It's good to see you and your wife. I looked over there, and it kind of caught me. I thought, well, yeah, that is him. I have a lot of family in this town. It's like coming home. I'm going to just claim it as home, Pastor, if that's okay with you. Yeah. <laughs> good to see you. Uh, where was I at? <laughs> Don't give up. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord stops things for a purpose. Got his hand on his family. Powerful people. His mom was key to me being in ministry today. I don't even know if you know that. Very key. Confirmed. I don't even know. She might even be here. Aunt Peggy. I am so sorry, guys. I am so sorry. I have to come down here for just a moment. Y'all, excuse me just for a minute. Thank you for enduring that for me. Man, I'll tell you what. Like I was saying, my Aunt Peggy was key. I'll never forget when I was called into the ministry, I told my wife, scared me, scared me to death. 
I never thought that I would be doing nothing like what I'm doing, Pastor. And uh, I told Char, I come home, I said, look, I said, man, the Lord spoke to me very clearly today. He said, my days of doing what I was doing are numbered, that he's going to use me to reach out and do some great things around the, around the world and, and call me to speak and preach. And I said, it's probably going to be five or ten years down the road. You know, because <laughs> it scared me to death, okay? I, would, I was the dead last person that will be up here doing this. I'll give the mic to you. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want this. It's, it scared me. And I said, Shar, don't say anything to anyone because I specifically prayed that if God, if this is you and you want me to do this, then you will confirm it. You will confirm it. God's big enough to do that. Amen? Now, he don't have to do a lot of that with me these days. I, I, I know his voice and I know when he's, you know. But then I was getting started, young man, and uh, went home, told my wife. I said, look, I said, on our way, we're going out to dinner. I said, we're going to stop by. My aunt is singing and ministering at the church. I said, you know, it was for a different uh, group of people. And I said, you know, it was uh, for the, I think the elderly. Yeah, the prime timers, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, that. Okay, I kind of see that a little bit clearer now. But I said, you know what? Uh, I said, let's just swing in there. We didn't even have a plan to go there, right? I said, let's just go by, by there and sit in the back and listen to Aunt Peggy for just a little bit. And I walked in, and when I walked in the back door, pa Aunt Peggy was singing, and she basically stopped the song in, in, in the middle of it. And she looked back there at me, and she said, Mark, I'll never forget it. I tell this story all the time. She looked back there at me. She said, Mark, she said, the Holy Spirit wants you to know that this day he's called you into ministry. And I'm like, <laughs> she probably thought, what in the world's going on with him? Because all I could do was just weep. Because she didn't know, she didn't know the back, at that time, she didn't know the back story of that. So I love you. And I thank you, Uncle Ray, that went on to be with Jesus not too long ago. God's got his arms around you. Amen. Amen. So, let's continue. Don't quit right before the miracle happens. Because it's coming. I'm telling you right now, it's coming. Why? Because this book tells me it's coming. And I'm going to believe whatever it says. Everything in it from the front to get to the back. The miracle is going to happen. Some of you need to know that. Maybe you've been praying for your husband, for your wife. That miracle is going to happen. Let me share a quick story with you. I'm so sorry. Will you guys give me just a little time? I'm, I'm running a little bit late. Uh, when I was 15 years old, true story. When I was 15 years old, me and my brother, you have to just know my brother, he was a rowdy fella. My aunt and him said amen. <laughs> but uh, we were in a car accident. We are in a terrible car accident. I've been in several, but this is probably one of the first ones I was in. Uh, I was 15, he was 16, somewhere in, that eight, somewhere in that bracket. We run off the road and hit an embankment. And uh, we hit nose down. I say an embankment, it was a bridge. It was kind of over a little swampy area. We run off of that thing and, and land a nose down on the bank on the other side of the little swamp. When we did, my brother, we hit the impact was so great it broke my seatbelt. My brother went through the windshield head first. 
and he was out there on the bank. Uh, when I regained kind of my senses, my consciousness, I looked, I looked around, looked in the car, and I didn't see my brother, and I looked out, and sure enough, the windshield was blown out, and the car was just in disarray, and, and, and he was laying out there in a pool of blood, his own blood. You couldn't even recognize him, blood from head to toe, blood all around where he was at. I never in my life been so scared, never in my life. I crawled, I couldn't because of the impact in my stomach, I couldn't set up so I, I crawled out of the car into the the back of the car was in water I crawled into the water and I crawled up to where he was at and sure enough if this was a car he'd have probably been back where that piano was at where he hit the embankment and I looked at him and just fear gripped my heart blood everywhere he was not I noticed he, his chest was not moving at all and I'm like oh my god my mind already started kind of going to the expression of my mom and dad's face. I'm like, he's, I, you know, I, I said he's dead. And I got on my hands and knees there, and I was a rebellious teenager. You know, I was just, just doing things my way. But I remembered something my mom had always taught me and my dad always taught me. That's a son, if you ever find yourself in a situation, and this echoed in my mind and in my heart that day. They said, if you ever find yourself in a situation you don't know how to get out of it, call out on Jesus. He would always be there to help you. Me knowing the spiritual state that I was in, I knew enough about it to understand that I needed to ask God to forgive me while I was kneeling in my brother's blood. Several minutes had passed. Nothing, he was still. I was so desperate, I put my lips right over his lips to see if there was any movement of oxygen or anything. Nothing. And, uh, Every time I tell the story, I, I, I relive it in a sense that uh, it's, it's just as real to me. I prayed, and I was praying that, that God would just, that God would touch him, God would heal him, and, uh, you know, weeping and sobbing and, and all of those things, and nothing happened. Fifteen minutes that went by at that time. I said, well, I got to get help. Something, I, I have to get help. I crawled back up to the main highway because where we were at, you couldn't really see it well from the road because we were off the road, a good 20, 30 feet below. And I literally crawled back through that little swamp. I crawled up the hill trying to flag someone over. It was a little old country road. Wasn't many people on that road. And uh, as I was doing that, I turned back in the car just engulfed with flames. By that time, I had already, already basically accepted that he was dead, that uh, my heart was broken, I accepted that. And I was crawling back over there, my plan and my intentions were to crawl back over there and to grab him and to try to drag him because I didn't want his body to be burned. That was my in instinct. But I stopped just this side of the water because I didn't think I had the strength because I was losing blood, I, you know, I was in bad shape myself. And something spoke to me. Something spoke to my spirits to call out on me one more time. And church, as I stand here before you, give an account for everything I share from this pulpit, what I'm about to share with you changed my whole life. I said, Matt, in the name of Jesus, get up. Nothing happened. And when I tell you that I, I didn't say that, I didn't whisper that, I screamed that from the core of my soul, I screamed that. I said it again, Matt, in the name of Jesus, get up. He still laid there just as lifeless. 
And as God is my witness, on that third time I screamed that, Matt, in the name of Jesus, get up! I heard a sound. <laughs> I, the breath of God put back in him, and he set up, and he walked across that swamp, picked me up, and helped me up the side of that hill. Don't give up before the miracle happens, friend. Sometimes you have to dip down one more time. Sometimes you have to make that extra phone call. Sometimes you have to go that extra mile. We got to the hospital that day. We had to stay in the hospital two, a couple weeks at least. And um, the doctor, i never forget it, because I was laying there on a gurney right next to him. And the doctor was working on him. He was the more critical. Turned out I was probably... After that, it took me harder, longer to recover. And he says, son, he said, you're the first person I've ever seen that I've ever treated that's went through a windshield head first. And I'm listening to what he's telling my brother. He said, every single person that's went through the windshield head first has went straight to the morgue. But how many of you know that God had better than other intentions that day? <laughs> There's nothing that our God can't do. Shaquan, will you come and share with us for a moment? Praise the Lord, everybody. Dog. I had it all planned in my head, and then as soon as I grabbed the mic, the Lord gave me something else. So do me a favor. Close your eyes. There's a number of you, uh, the title is disturbing because this is the posture that you're in every day eyes closed, and you want to quit. Maybe you're a person that has been working for so long, trying to be there for your family, and the only thing that you have inside of you is something telling you to give up and quit. Maybe, just maybe, you're a son in this room, and your father is not there, was not there, or working extremely hard to pay for things for you, and he's in the same house as you and still ignore you. And maybe, just maybe, this is your posture. You want to quit. Maybe you're a hard-working mom and you're single and you have all these children and nobody seems to see you and you're in your quiet time with your eyes closed and you're saying, Lord, I just want to quit. Or maybe, just maybe, you're sitting in this room and your eyes are closed and you're going through so much hell and the only thing you want to do is die and quit. Can I tell you that the same breath that God put in Mark's brother is the same breath that's in this room? I want you to feel the pain. I want you to feel the pain of a dark place, your eyes are closed and you're feeling the pain of being alone. You're feeling the pain of all the bills are, they, they, you don't have no money. And all the bills are, they're stacking up. And then COVID are taking people's life and the person that was close to you is dead and gone and you're still at home with your eyes closed and you, you wanna quit. Or maybe you've been asking the Lord for a secret, quiet place where all the, just the clutter 
and the loud noise needs to stop because it puts me in depression. Can I tell you? You can't quit. And there's still breath in your body. I don't care if you have a, bi- a bad eye or a good eye. I don't care if one of your ears you can't hear. He's a healer today and it can't happen. I don't care what you're going through, what you're facing. I, this black brother came in this church to tell you not to quit. Don't quit. God has brought you this far not to leave you. He has not, you are not in the distance for no reason. He has you there because that's where he wants you. Can the team come? Can I tell you in order for you not to quit, you have to be willing to set an atmosphere. Oftentimes we sit in places like this and the atmosphere is already set or you want the pastor to set the atmosphere. And you you just get to come in because they've already prayed, they've already sought off the Lord for the word that he's probably been working on for two weeks. And can I tell you, you have to be willing to set your own atmosphere. Because when the pastor is not there and the worship team is not there to be loud in your ear, can I tell you? You have two voices. The enemies or you have God's. And at some point, a lot of us allow the enemy's voice to be louder than God's. And then it puts you in a crippled situation because you don't know how to use your own. So I'll just come to church and let them do it. Can I tell you, the Lord wants you to set your own atmosphere of worship in your own house. So when people come up in this room, the atmosphere is set because everybody is pinging off each other and the faith is in the room. So he has no choice but to show up and deliver and heal and set free when we all set the atmosphere. You can drop the backlights. I'm going to get out your way because I'm probably scaring some of you, but you'll be okay. But I want you to watch this skit. And the song says, are you ready to set the atmosphere? I don't know about you, but when I walk into places, I don't conform to them. God is in me. I'm I'm loud and black. That's just what I am. Everywhere I go. I'm not about to be quiet. I'm not a, I'm not a person that prayer, uh, pray quietly because God blesses me out loud. So why would I stop? That's just who I am. And a lot of you don't know who you are. You can be old or you can be young. You don't know that you have the opportunity to set the atmosphere in your own house or in your own car. So the level of faith needs to rise up in this room. Because when it rises up in this room, those wounds will be healed. I want you to watch this. And I, I, I don't know what you got going next, but I already feel the flow. Watch this. And I want your faith to literally jump up in your body. No fear, no insecurities, not what the argument was before you got here. Let your faith rise up in this room and when I tell you 
when it's time to transition, something is going to happen in this room because I already feel it. So do me a favor. Say neighbor. Say it like you mean it. Say neighbor. It's time to set the atmosphere. Come on, just put your hands together again. Let's just honor him, worship him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you give me just a few more minutes, we're going to close. There's a man that used to speak with us and got to know him in that way. Uh, his name was Marcus Luttrell. He was, uh, he's a Navy SEALs. Tough, tough, rugged guy. He was a part of a Navy SEALs battle. Actually, it's one of the deadliest Navy SEAL battles that in our nation's history. They wrote a movie. They've done a movie about him. He wrote a book, and they've done a movie about the book called The Lone Survivor. You might have heard of it. But he was sharing with me and others, and it's in his book as well, on that day that out of 20 of the Navy SEALs, 19 of them were killed by the Taliban. Even himself was shot multiple times, fell off of a cliff. I mean, just un unbelievable stuff. You would, I mean, how could anybody survive such? And he said, Mark, he said, as I was going through those moments that I kept crawling, I would tell myself if I can crawl another foot, then I would tell myself again, if I can get another foot, I'll, I'll make it. Horrific circumstances. He said, but while I was crawling, bleeding, broken leg, I mean, just shattered body. He said, as I was crawling, I thought back to my training on Coronado Beach in San Diego, California. You know, the Navy SEALs, they have what they call, it's a two-month training period, but that last week or so is called Hell Week. And he said, I remember going back and mentally, mentally going back to that time. And with, they would keep us up. I mean, they would only let them sleep a few hours uh, a day. I mean, literally, most time of standing up. They would send them into, I mean, just really cold water. I mean, it was just one thing after another and push-ups on the beach. And, and, I mean, it was just, I mean, it was hell. They called it hell week for a reason. They really just put your body through turmoil. 80% of Navy SEALs, even before they get to, before they even get to hell week, they quit. 80% of them quit. And he said, Mark, they would always put a bell out on the beach wherever they were training at. And at any moment, in any given time, without any questions asked, all you had to do, once you had enough, was to walk over to that bell and ring it. Letting everyone know around you that I quit. I give up. He said one particular day, he said, one of my friends, he said he was bigger than me, meaner than me, tougher than me, stronger than me. He said he got up, and he started walking toward that bell. And he said, I jumped up trying to stop him from doing it, and his drill sergeant said, no. He said, shut up. He said, once a person has quit in them, if he rings that bell today or tomorrow, he's going to ring that bell. He said, let him go and ring the bell. 
and he said he watched his big friend, tough as nails, walk over to that bell on that beach and give up. He said, I decided that day that I would die on that beach before I ring that bell. Man, what would happen if we had some dads in the house that say, you know what, I'm not going to quit on my family. I'll die where I'm planted before I, I ring the bell. I'm not going to quit on my wife. I'm not going to quit on my husband. Ladies, I'm not going to quit on my neighbors. I'm not going to quit on the prodigal sons and daughters. I had rather die on the beach than ring the bell. He said, when I thought about that, he said, I had to survive that day in 2006. I would have never survived it if I hadn't made that decision that day. That there's no surrender. There's no retreat. I thought about Jesus. If someone could come help me worship, play the piano. I thought about Jesus. You know, he could have given up any time, right? I mean, maybe it could have been in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying to a sweat become drops of blood. At any moment, Marcus, he could have gave up on us. At any moment, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass me. You see, he was fully God and he was fully man at the same time. He felt the pain. He, at any moment, maybe during that garden, he could have come over and rang that bell and quit on you and I. Or maybe it was when they was giving him the, the lashes on his back, 39 stripes. Maybe, maybe during that time, surely he would have wanted to just ring the bell and quit. Or maybe it was while he was walking down the Via Della Rosa with a cross on his back, going to that moment of crucifixion. You see, he didn't, his life was never taken from him. He gave his life. He was never at the mercy of the Roman soldiers. They were always at his mercy, and they didn't even know it. And at any moment, the word says that he could have called on legion of angels to level that area and restore him to his throne without going to the cross. But where would that would have left me and you? And make it personal. Ask yourself, where would that have left me? A.C.? Where would that have left me? Will you stand to your feet? A couple of things I want to do. I never take for granted in, in a crowd this size that there's someone here today that, man, this is... You need to come home to Jesus. Maybe you've been living away from him. I don't know your story. don't know your business. That's not important, but he knows it. He knows you intricately, personally. I want to give you an opportunity. 
to do one of the greatest things that you've ever done. Say, well, Pastor, I can't do that publicly because of who I am. It doesn't matter who you are right now. I'm not going to ask you, and, and people do this sometimes, and I do this as well. I ask people to bow their head and close their eyes and stuff, you know. But this morning, I want you to all just be looking at me. Because I believe this, that if you can... Jesus was beaten, crucified, put on public display. Matter of fact, the word tells us that if we're ashamed of him on that day of judgment, he'll be ashamed of us. So yes, it takes some courage. But I believe that there might be, it could be just one person, I don't know, might be a few. Might be a dad out there. Might be a mom out there. First thing I want to do is just always give an opportunity for someone just to come home. Man, in this powerful church, no one's here to look down on you. We're here to look up at you. Because giving your heart to Jesus is the, the greatest thing that you will ever do. It's, it's the end all. Nothing's better than to start right there. And if you've been living away from him, you know your heart's beating right now. And you know. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Some of you might be in the middle of one of these rows, and you might have to excuse yourself out. It's okay. We come into this world alone. We'll leave this world alone. The Bible promises a lot of things, but how many of you know that tomorrow's not one of them? So, with no one's head bowed and with everyone looking around, if you say, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? Why don't you slip up your hand where you're at? See the hands. Will you take one more step of bravery, sir? I'm, God's got something special for you. I saw that already 30 seconds ago. He's got something special for you. You know, I'm not pointing you out, but you know, I'm talking to you. Will you take one more step of faith? Whether you raised your hand or you did not, but you know in your heart that you probably should have, take one more step of faith. Get out of your chair and come meet me right here in this altar. Come on, right now, move. Come on, if you raised your hand or if you did not, come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes home. Before we switch gears, is there, if there's any others right now is your time, don't let the enemy defeat you. Don't you mentally go over to the bell and ring that. Get out of your seat and you come. Let's all say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Restore me. I turn my back on the world. Satan, I turn my back on you. And today, I know by faith, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I am no longer my own, but I have been bought with a price. In Jesus' mighty name. Put your hands together.
I'd like to have some of our team come and pray with these. And I know that there's church uh, team in place as well to help out in that area. Second thing I want to do real quick before pastor comes. If you hear under the sound of my voice and you say, you know what? Uh, today, I want to remove this quit option. I'm not going to give up whatever that may mean to you. I'm not going to give up on my family. I'm not going to give up on my son and daughter. Whatever it may mean. But you'll say this morning that you've been struggling. And it's been hard. You've been praying maybe for a long time for someone and you hadn't seen it come to pass. Whatever the situation is, I want you to know that he's here today to encourage you, to strengthen you on many different levels. If that's you under the sound of my voice, I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come and I want you to join me here. Come on. If that's you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As they respond, just move team and or your prayer team. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here under the sound of my voice and you need a healing in your body, I want you to know that the healer is in the house and he can touch your body. He can touch your body if you need to be healed. You respond as well. Church has been a joy and it's been an honor. Pastor, I'm going to turn it back, the service back to you. It's been a joy and it's been an honor to be here with you. I love you. I'm so excited about what God's doing in this community and what he's going to continue to do for you. If you're not a part of this church, it's a great church. It really is. Get connected. And you watch to see, watch to see the hand of God and how he moves. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.